0: So good morning, morning, good morning. It feels like, probably because it is, such a long time since I stood here. Um, because of lockdown, I, I've recorded for you, but I know it's well over a year, and, and that is really kind of weird. That is kind of weird this morning. Um, but I think, the good news is, I think, I think we're on fairly familiar territory for most of us this morning. We're in the book of Acts and chapter 2. And we've been looking at this um, for a couple of weeks. I know it was open morning last, last week, but um, we've had Nigel Hemming and Pete Gilbert here. Big thank you to them for um, speaking to us during Pentecost, which is an amazing time for the church. Um, we've seen the dramatic outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the transformation of the disciples I mean, Peter, right? He's, he's like an uneducated, impetuous fisherman. And now here he is on his feet before crowds, teaching with clarity and wisdom and authority. It's a hard act to follow, Peter. Um, we've seen people from all around the world hear the gospel, repent and be baptized. And about 3,000 people have become believers in one day. I mean, these are exciting times. So let's have a look. Let's carry on and and see what happens. Um, I'm going to be reading from Acts chapter 2. So it's a real help to me. If you've got your Bibles, just just grab those, pick those up. Um, Or if you've got your phones, either bring up your app or or just go over to Google. Just put in there Acts 2. We're going verses 41 to 47 and just follow along. Always a good idea if you're new to this, follow the preacher in case they start making it up. So let's have a look at these together then. Here we are. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together, So what we see here is like a little cameo of the spirit-filled believers being all together in one place, sharing their day-to-day lives. They have everything in common. As Pete Gilbert said to us a couple of weeks ago, they were all on the same page. They are truly what we would think of as a community. They are a community. I've, I've got a definition here, spot the teacher. Uh, here we go, a community, a group that resides in a specific location, shares government, common characteristics or interests, perceive itself as distinct in some respects. So so these are people in one place doing the same stuff and in some way standing apart. Probably in a, in a you know location as well, that idea of community. But these people are a very specific community, this is like not just a group of good people just rubbing along together nicely. These, these are God's people. These are saved people. They've had a shared experience. They've been a part of God's give and take salvation. So salvation, where Christ's death on the cross has taken their sin and dealt with it. And then in return, they've been given the Holy Spirit by the grace of God. Their past is dealt with. Their future is guaranteed for eternity. This is the body of Christ. This is Christ's church. Now, interestingly, the first time we hear the word church in the Bible is in the New Testament in Matthew. When Jesus says to Peter, I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. So here we are in Acts 2. We can see that what Jesus tells us is true. As Peter stands to address the crowd, so the building of the church begins. On the back of Peter's words, the church begins to build. And what I want to do this morning, first of all, is just have a look at the blueprints of this early church together. Um, so we're going to have a look at this church blueprint. And the first thing that we see in this church is that the believers devoted themselves. Devoted in this context means literally they gave themselves over to the apostles' teaching. In John fourteen twenty six, Jesus told his disciples, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. So the Holy Spirit teaches, and as the believers are filled with this Spirit, they give themselves over to learning. It's kind of like the Holy Spirit opens up a school in Jerusalem that day. Um, The apostles were the teachers, and there are about 300 people in the first form. Can you imagine 300 in the first form? They're coming like children to learn about Jesus. See, the Spirit of God leads his people to learn about God's word. And so in this blueprint, this little cameo, we see a learning church. But we also see a loving church. The believers devote themselves to the fellowship. They're living this common, shared life in the fellowship of God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit, And we see them selling their possessions, giving things away to each other, um, making sure that everybody has exactly what they need. It's It's like a little utopian vision of society. But it's a challenging little passage, this one, isn't it? Because it does raise the question as to whether this is a pattern that we're meant to follow today. Should we all go home, put our houses on the market, sell all our possessions and maybe we can just leave the church leadership to sort out who gets what? (laughs) Yeah, the church leadership are looking worried about that as well. Where's she going with this? Well, certainly there are Christian communities um, within which this passage is taken literally and people do, I know, consciously opt into the way of life. However, I don't think that Jesus or the apostles actually teach or command this. I don't see the concept of private ownership forbidding throughout Scripture. I just don't see that. But certainly we are called to generosity, especially to the poor and the needy. Um, so we've got just one passage here, 1 John 3:17. If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. So certainly we are called to generosity. And what we see, I think, in this cameo is not a sort of legalistic thing that they're doing because they think they have to. But this is the outpouring of Christ's love. This is Christian caring and sharing, a genuine attempt to alleviate need and destitution in the community of Jesus. And I know that many here have a heart for that. This spirit-motivated, voluntary socialism. genuine It's a genuine desire, isn't it, just to look after each other. We think maybe, certainly in these times, the government of the day wasn't doing enough, if anything, to address social welfare. And I think in today's time we can certainly see the importance of that in our blueprint for the church. So the early church is a loving church. We also see, the last thing we see as we look at that, is that this church is a worshipping church. They devote themselves to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and day by day they attend the temple and break bread in their homes. Well, the breaking of bread here could be a reference to communion and the remembrance of the Lord's Supper. Or more likely, it's also a reference to hospitality. Because we're told they receive their food with glad and generous hearts. I know many Christians who would point to this passage um, as showing the importance of hospitality to Christian living. I mean, it probably explains why Christians always seem to be eating I mean, for example, Tom, we know there's no such thing as youth work without pizza, right? It's true. Um, The interesting thing, though, here in this passage is that they both attend the temple and meet in homes. Um, It's surprising in some ways that they do still attend the temple as Christian believers. I'm sure they wouldn't still be taking part in the sacrificial systems. But that formal, structured, dignified worship is still a part of their worship. And it's still important to them. It sits alongside the idea of being together in homes, a more relaxed way of being together, sharing and praying together. But the passage, I think, makes it clear that the two go together. They complement each other. And it seems to show that the early church has valued both equally. I just want to pause here. And I'm going to give a shout-out to my small group Lots of you here. Um, our home group's here, absolutely at the heart of who we are as a church family. Um, my small group, you've been amazing during lockdown. Um, Ali and I have been privileged to lead you. We're inspired by you. We're challenged by you. We learn from you. And you have loved us and cared for us. And you've been as equally important to us as the church services. And we want to thank you for walking with us. And I know I can see others amongst the body who feel the same about their home groups, whether it's maybe youth groups or elderly groups or even the biking groups. That informal time we can spend learning and praising and and praying together are a really precious part of our worship. So as we look at this early church, we see a church that is worshipped in all senses of the word. So this is our blueprint, this is our early church here, devoting itself to studying, fellowship and to worship. But it's a very lopsided picture of church. Um, It's inward focused and it just kind of shows the inner workings of the believers. And for those of you who heard Pete Gilbert speak a couple of weeks ago, he reminded us that we must be careful not to focus our energies on these things for their own sake or even for our own sake. Of course, these things are key, spiritual discipline, they're all there, but we have to set them against the bigger picture. And again, to quote Pete, it's all about mission. The Holy Spirit is a missionary spirit, Um, I love this picture. It's just a picture of the early spread of the Christian church. We see the the tongues of fire come out from Jerusalem, out into the Roman Empire and across the world to the ends of the earth. And if you remember in Acts one eight, the disciples are told, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The context of our little cameo, the book of Acts, is all about God growing his church. And we can see it here in verses 41 and in verse 47. So verse 41. So those who received his word were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. And again, verse 47. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who are being saved. And we see those verses throughout Acts. And those to kind of bookend our little cameos showing just these early Christians in Jerusalem, they, they weren't so busy learning and, and eating and um, witnessing and worshipping. They weren't too busy to remember that they were witnessing for the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and in verse 41 we see that those who received the word were added. But in verse 47, we see that God adds to their number day by day. He continually adds to their number in direct response to their continual devoted witness. The believers continue to witness, converts continue to be added And that's really why these spiritual disciplines that we've been talking about and sharing about together this year are are so important. Not for their own sake, not something that we have to do to be a good Christian, um, but but their spirit-led response to salvation. And they align us and draw us close to the Spirit's mission. They transform us into witnesses you see, Luke wants us to see here the importance of the believer's witness in growing the church, understanding our own role in how the church grows and how God adds to our number. And it's really important. We have to understand that role because we want to get the balance right between legalistic church attendance or self-indulgent worship. or We want fruit-producing, community-expanding Christian witness. And so I just, I just want to say a couple of things on this as we come to a close. Firstly, just to notice here in verse 47, the Lord added to their number. You know, it, it is God's kingdom and only Lord Jesus Christ can bestow salvation. It is his invitation and it is him who invites people and adds them To the community of believers. It it is a mystery to us, and it is not our gift to decide who is saved and who is not. Um, It is God's work. And in some ways, that should be a relief to us. You know, as we think about our own way in which we evangelize, in which we share God with others, we, we need to know that actually God is doing this thing, it is His work. Um, And notice here, um, just a point to make, salvation isn't like a private, individual matter. As as God does this work, and he gives the Holy Spirit and brings in new believers, it is about identifying with the community. It's about being a member and becoming a member of a Christian community. Membership isn't like an option, It's the whole purpose of God's plan. And if you're joining us online today, it's fantastic to have you. Um, If you particularly have joined in during lockdown and you haven't yet had the opportunity to identify with a local church or or with a Christian community, I really just want to encourage you to do that. Um, The shape of the way we do church today is changing. There's no doubt about that. But Christianity is not a solitary Thing. It is about identifying and connecting, and I really encourage you um, to do that. Um, another thing to notice is that, that God doesn't just add the people to his community without saving them. Okay, he just doesn't bring people in and then not save them. It, it's about order here. There's no kind of nominal try before you buy Christianity. And, and that doesn't mean we shouldn't invite non-believers to church that it isn't a good idea for them to come to see, witness, to hear God's word. But I think we do have to just be careful that our mindset doesn't go, people who come to church will be Christians because they're saved. Um, And and I, I particularly think we've got to sort of work that balance out, particularly for our youth. You know, for them, we've got to remember that we depend humbly on Jesus' mercy and grace for salvation and for their salvation. And please do um, continue. I know lots of us involved in youth work here. Please do continue to pray for God's mercy on their salvation. Jesus alone can save. However, that said, we do have a very important role to play. And as we kind of come to finish, I'm going to go for an analogy. Now, like all good illustrations, this is going to fall down, sadly. But uh, let's have a go. How many parents have we got in the room here? How many parents? You can put your hands up online as well. It's fine. Put your hand up online if you're a parent. Okay. Or maybe if you have a pet. Yeah, we're adding a few more now. Or if you do gardening. Got most of it covered now. Parents, pets or gardens? Tom. We'll pray for you, brother. Okay. Um, Look, it it, it doesn't matter to some extent how good or bad a parent you are. Your children, by the grace of God, will grow. You can't stop them growing. Trust me. I've tried it with my children. Clothes are expensive. They keep growing. But God has given them life, and and I know only he can take it away. But in the meantime, they get big. And they become teenagers. And it's the same with pets, isn't it? Their, their development, it's a natural God-given phenomenon. It, it just happens. You know, stuff will grow in your garden. It doesn't matter if you do nothing at all, which is kind of where we're at, um, because it's God's natural order of things. Stuff grows. God, that's how God made it. But we all know that things like knowledge and wisdom and effort and hard work and prayer play a massive role in how children or pets or the garden turn out. You know, there's this kind of nature versus nurture argument, isn't there? Um, but I don't think that either is an absolute. I think it's the combination that establishes the outcome. And, and in this passage... It's the witness of the believers added to the fact that this is what God wants to do. He wants to grow his church. And we need to hold on to that expectation. You know, continually, day by day, do we expect that? And the witness of the believers is influencing that and it is shaping that. We are fundamental instruments in Jesus' plan to build his church. I mean, yes, the Holy Spirit is poured out on the apostles, but then it's the apostles who do the teaching. God is using the humanness. He's using the working out of our daily life, the unity, the sharing and the praising. You know, the way Christians love one another attracts other people. It attracts other people. It bears testimony to the transforming power of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. To become someone willing to learn, willing to share, willing to give, willing to worship, that only happens when hearts change. It only happens when hearts change. And as the worship band get ready now, I just want to give you this kind of summary here. Jesus' church grows as his devoted believers bear witness to his transforming love. We, each of us, have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit through the death and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have been given the Holy Spirit. It is our role to continue to learn, to love, to worship, not for our sake but because as we do these things, we witness to the transforming love of the Lord Jesus Christ to the ends of the world and for the glory of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. So as we come to worship, I really encourage you today to just identify with this statement. Make sure you see yourself as a part of this bigger plan, this bigger witness. There is so much that we do as a church body within our local community. Wherever you are this week, whatever you are doing, this is the truth of who you are. The witness of the Lord Jesus Christ, wherever you are, whatever you are doing. If you need a little verse for your pocket, it's Galatians. Let us not become weary in doing good For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Let that be with us this week as we go and we witness to the love of Jesus Christ for the glory of God.